You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the latest edition of Across the Romaverse, a Kiesa Ditati podcast. Um, we have another two-man crew. This is Brendan Steve. Today is uh, January 4th. This is the 21st episode of Across the Romaverse, which is kind of fitting because it's our first of 2021. Um, so as I said, I'm joined by Steve. So Steve, since it's New Year's, let's talk about resolutions. Did you make any? Uh, no, I haven't really made any. Um, I'd like to get back into my fitness routine a little bit more now that the uh, new year's here covid kind of shut that down with the gym being closed for a long time so i was down to just cardio with running but um as you know i, I moved into a house recently so i have a little bit of space to do some more so that's that's my thing is to try to get back into it <laughs> yeah you gotta love the at-home workouts uh i didn't make any i, I guess i did uh, pretty well in my 2020 when i lost um, a bit of weight so my goal is just to keep it off i guess uh, I guess I'd also like to read more. I sort of fell off of that over the past few years. So those are my goals. Um, yeah, so 2021 today, like I said, is January 4th. Today is the first day of the winter transfer window throughout most of Europe. Um, I know for sure it's the first day in the Premiership, but then I just saw online that there's a nationwide lockdown in England. So I don't know if that's going to affect that at all or if they'll even be able to play. Um, I guess those are matters for another day. So we're going to spend the bulk of this time, pretty much the entirety of this time, talking about the winter transfer window. So I thought before we look forward, let's look back. Um, so we had a couple of weeks ago, Jimmy did a really good piece uh, ranking Roma's recent winter markets. Um, and so I worked with Jimmy on that in the background, just sort of talking about who we should highlight, what the, what the different classes were, how many players they brought in. And it was sort of realized, it dawned on us that... Roma doesn't do a lot during the winter, so it was really hard to come up with a cohesive list. So we originally wanted to rank order like the individual players, but as we went through it, it's like they don't do a lot. But the one exception to that was last winter when we had Roger Ibanez, Gonzalo Villar, and Carlos Perez. So I want to ask you, Steve, if you can remember back to a year ago, what was your initial thought on that trio of signings? Yeah, I mean, none of them were really well-known. Um, I probably had the highest expectations off the bat for Perez just because he was coming from Barcelona. But, um, you know, slowly but surely, Ibanez and Villar have certainly, you know, made their way into the team. And uh, But I didn't really know what to expect. It was kind of one of those, you know, speculative moves, you know, for the most part from Petrarchi's part. But it looks like they did some good scouting for the most part. What, what were you thinking initially when they made those moves? Um I was thinking, who the hell are these guys? <laughs> didn't know a single one of them. I'm looking over this piece that Jimmy did. He did a great job on it. And so usually it's somebody like um, Basilis Torcidas, just a, a depth move. And then there was the one guy where that Clement Grenier, who I yeah. can't, can't even remember playing. Um, but then occasionally, you know, they knock out of the park. They got Nangolan in 2014, which really was, um, as great as it was, it was a need purchase because Strutman had just gone down. And then you look at 16 with Parati and El Shirawi. That was yeah. um, still kind of a calculated gamble because El Shirawi was sort of bottomed out with Monaco. He wasn't the player he was when he broke through with Milan. So that's usually what we kind of see from Roma during the winter. But when they brought these three guys in, you know, I'll be honest, I, didn't, I hadn't heard of a single one of them. Um, but it's kind of ironic looking back on it now. I had the most hope and I was most excited about Carlos Perez because it seemed like he was the new uh, Chengazunder, the kind of player who could come in and just immediately on agility and speed affect the game and as we're seeing now a year later he's the one who's playing the least yeah um but yeah out of those out of those three obviously Ibanez I think is um 
done the most so far, and he seems like he's, you know, without a doubt, an unquestioned first-team player every week. Certainly, VR is making a case for that. Um, but out of those three, I wasn't familiar with any of them. Um, so I guess that just goes to show you, you can't be too quick to judge, especially when you don't follow the Spanish Segunda. But while we're on the topic, what do you what do you make of Perez right now? There might be I haven't read anything yet, but it wouldn't shock me to see if there's some uh, outgoing transfer rumors about him, maybe a loan or so. What do you? Yeah. Why is he falling off? What do you think's going on there? I don't know. I mean, you know, credit to Ibanez and VR because they've really carved out pretty significant roles for themselves, especially VR recently, Ibanez since the summer. But Perez uh, has kind of faded, like you said. Um, I don't know if he's just not fitting in well with Fonseca going to that more narrow look with the forwards and the attacking midfield. Maybe he's one of those guys that would be more comfortable if they were playing like a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 where he'd be wider. I'm not sure. Um, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if he does move on alone if they can bring in other players in that role because Fonseca doesn't really seem to trust him at this point or look to him very often. I mean, yesterday's match was a great example. They you know, they were controlling the match. So I wasn't surprised he waited a while to make a sub, but you know, that was like their only real option off the bench in that attacking midfield role with Pedro Hurt. And you could just see that he wasn't going to that option. Um, So I I think they're going to need someone there. I'm sure they'll make a move there, but it wouldn't surprise me if he does go in the opposite direction, somewhere on a loan or something to get more experience, maybe get more acclimated with the Italian league, whatever it needs to take to get him, I guess, more Roma ready at this point. I like that phrase, Roma ready. <laughs> um, yeah, I. It wouldn't be surprising, but I don't think it would be um, good. I, I think it would be sort yeah. of uh, foreboding in a way. That would give Roma three young wingers who are out alone. If you had them with Clive mm-hmm. or Nunder, you never. I don't know. To me, that just doesn't bode well for any one of them really becoming a long-term regular. No. Um, but yeah, that's um, enough about the past. So we're here specifically to talk about the winter transfer window, which is opening today. Um, so before we get into, we're going to spend the most of the time talking about players and positions of need. So before we get into that, I think as always with Roma, you need to set expectations. Um, so when you're talking about Roma, the biggest expectation is how much money can they spend versus how much, how much loss are they occurring? How many debts are they running up? Um, so we've seen over the past few years, they're taking a lot of players on loan, deferring the cost. So not paying as much upfront, deferring it to the back end. And I don't know about you, Steve, but do you worry about them adding to that? Yeah, you know, I mean, they got to pay the piper at some point. All these loans right. take on, like Vertu's coming, has a balance due. I think Mancini has a balance mm-hmm. coming due. Yeah, it's a dangerous game to, to keep deferring the cost. You know, it's like you keep taking out like a second mortgage on your house or, you know, like you need a home equity line because you need to do repairs. And sooner or later, those bills do come due. You might not have the 30 grand up front to fix your kitchen or whatever it is, but sooner or later you have to pay for it. And it's the same kind of thing. You know, you need another winger or another right back or something sooner or later you have to pay for those guys um and then you wonder where does the money come from if we don't qualify for the champions league obviously top four becomes even more important because you need to offset that somewhere without selling some of your bigger assets which we've seen so many times in the past to try to solve that issue and it, they never truly solved it i mean they sold allison for almost 100 million euros a few years ago and they still have these same debts um and with no fans in the stands it adds to that even more um, so it worries me a little bit. So I hope they do some cost-effective moves. Like you look at the Spinazzola move, that's looking like, you know, a, a great move at this point because even though his value was inflated, so was Luca Pellegrini's. And it, they pretty much broke even on that deal. And now they have a, a high-quality starter right now in their in their rotation. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to get rid of some some money elsewhere. But, yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't see them making a big money move at a position of need, whether it's goalkeeper or right back or attacking midfield, I think it's going to be something either on loan or something cost effective that they won't add too much to that debt because I can't see the Friedkins wanting to pile onto that debt without having a little more stability first. Um, it seems like they're looking for that stability model uh, for Roma. And that, 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 that's why I don't, I don't see them making any big moves unless they qualify for the champions league. Maybe in the summer they splash a little cash. Right, yeah. Um, you hit home on a lot of that. I, I've been looking at uh, <laughs> home equity and things like that. I've got a lot of <laughs> upgrades I need to do. Um, not quite a perfect parallel to a you know billion-dollar football club, but um, you did uh, another good segue there. So um, Sean put up a piece, I think it was last week, about the sort of relaxed financial fair play rules for 2021. So in 
light of the pandemic, they're just sort of not erasing them, but relaxing them. So there's a little bit more wiggle room for teams, um, not necessarily to spend, but they have and whatever losses they incur, if they can somehow tie that to the pandemic, essentially that gives them more breathing room. So the gamble um, that Sean wrote about was essentially, can Roma use that as an excuse to take on more payments, more mo- spend more money this month than they ordinarily would have with the possibility that this would get them the Champions League, which would then give them the income to erase whatever debt or spending they accrued during January. So um, there's the financial aspect of it. Um, there is a big gamble. So if you made a big purchase and somehow you end up in fifth, then you're kind of screwed because you got this maybe whatever it is, 10 or $20 million of additional debt. Um, but then I'm thinking about, um, we looked at Fonseca. It's been, what are we, almost two years, over two years into this now. We had the formation change, which sort of threw a lot of things into um, upheaval. We didn't really know who was going to play where, how it was going to work. point I'm trying to make is it's taken them, they had to build the initial chemistry with the new coach, and then everything changed. They had the pandemic, and they had to start sort of a new chemistry experiment into this new formation with players taking on new roles. So in terms of bringing personnel, would you prefer Roma to rest the chemistry or would they bring in multiple new pieces? So we start off by saying usually it's one or two players they bring in, but we're reading all these rumors and even Jekko saying we need new players. Um, is there a risk of upsetting this chemistry that they're only really now just developing? I mean, I don't think there's a huge risk if it's a couple pieces brought in to supplement what they already have. If there was the risk of a major piece outgoing, which I don't see happening, I think then you really risk the chemistry. Um, I don't know if they're going to bring in a guy who's maybe starter quality outside of maybe an attacking midfielder at this point, who if they do come in, we know Mkhitaryan and Pedro do need rest. They, they can rotate at those positions. So I, don't, I wouldn't be too worried about it upsetting the chemistry too much. I think one of Roma's uh, strengths this year has been the chemistry they've built because they kept the bulk of the roster intact from last season to this one. And we saw between July and the present, they've lost, I think, uh, three matches in Serie A and uh, the one in the Europa League. So uh, they, they've done a, a pretty good job. I mean, a couple losses were heavy losses this season, but I, I think it's been working for them. I think the continuity with Fonseca and the players has worked. Um, you know, I also in that Jekko quote, he said, I'm not leaving Roma, which is important, you know, whether you're a fan of his or not I know some people criticize him especially at this point for his mischances sometimes I think the continuity is big for them I don't I don't worry too much about them losing continuity by bringing in a couple new faces as long as they're good locker room presences and not like someone who's going to really cause a stir if they don't start every match or something like that right that's a good point um so I think whatever wishes or aspirations people have for uh, like maybe a Christian Erickson we've seen or Papu Gomez or Milik uh, might not be the best idea in terms of chemistry and also just in terms of the personalities clashing and people sort of jockeying for position. Um, okay. So let's talk about possible sales. So Roma obviously still has a lot of, a lot of uh, dead weight. I know people don't always like that term, but a lot of players on the periphery, some redundant pieces who don't exactly fit some of its tactical, a lot of its age. Um, so why don't we start off? Why don't you give us two names of players who you think should go, and then I'll follow up with two that I think should go. I mean, first off, has to be Juan Jesus. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I read a rumor recently that they're willing to let him go on a free. Uh, I Genoa, think right? Genoa, I yeah, think. Yeah. Wanted him if if they'll if they're willing to take on his salary for what's left on his contract and just get him out the door. That's fine with me. Um, long overdue. He's stuck. He's over. You know, stayed his welcome. I think the past year or two. Um, and then second, I guess if someone had to go, I mean, there's not. Well, maybe much. just who you, who you think yeah. would go. What's a plausible sale or a plausible? I think, um, I think a, a plausible sale could be a Fazio, um, just because they have a lot of center backs. If Jesus doesn't go, I think one or the other will go. I think there's too many center backs right now. Yeah, uh, that Jesus one was. I saw that. I was like, wait, he still has a contract, so they're basically yeah. just going to give him away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just please take I, him. Yeah, I've been saying this for a couple of years, but I, I'm kind of looking forward to the end of his career because I really, really want to write about it. I really want to recap it because I don't think it's as bad as people made it out to be when you consider no. what he is. Yeah. I think, I think when they signed him, I think they paid like 9 million euros for him and people were up in arms. And I was like, well, considering they sold Dodo to Inter for yeah. the same price, it sort of came out in the wash. But I mean, you always have that Barcelona match. So I, I feel like on the balance of things, he's been more positive than negative. Yeah, you have that Barcelona match. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have the first match from last season, which I think was against Genoa when he 
gave up two goals on his own. So like, oh I think my that's, god, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the big thing with him is like he had that huge highlight of stopping Messi for the most part of that match. And then the lows are just so low; it's it's crazy. Okay, so you're saying Fazio and Jesus? Um, yeah, I, I could see that. I, I think with Jesus, it's really I don't need him. I think Fazio, it would be a matter of, hey, do you want to play more? Mm-hmm. If so, it's not going to be here, but. Um, you and I were trading some DMs before we started this, so I sent you the last uh, update about Robin Olsen. Everton might buy him in an exchange for Bernard, which we'll get to in a second. Um, and we talked about Carlos Perez maybe getting loaned out again, but let me throw a name at you that we didn't put on the bulletin. What about Diawara? Mm. So that's an interesting one. Um, I think if he goes, it's him kind of asking for more time, and uh, Roma would have to have another player lined up as in re- a replacement, I think, if they were to let him go. Um, yeah, it's funny with him because when he's good, he's really good, but he's had these little injuries and then COVID and things have, have disrupted him. And when he comes back, he's not the same type of player. And now with the ascendance of VR, he's really found himself now as fourth or fifth choice really in the midfield because even Cristante came in off the bench over him the other day. So I could see him going if the right offer comes around because I think he's going to try to push for a move to get more playing time if possible. Um, Quality player. If he goes, I won't be the saddest because he's, you know, now falling down the depth charts, but I know Sean won't be too happy about it. I know Sean's a big fan of his, but um, I could see it happening. I was, I was just going to mention Sean because I, uh, we had a discussion, I think one of our first couple of podcasts where um, to me, when they signed him that summer, I was like, it was a revelation for me because mm-hmm. for the first time in a couple of years, it really, really seemed like they bought a player specifically yeah. for a specific coach and a specific system. And I remember we were writing about him for probably two years. I think Jimmy wrote a piece about him when he was with, um, where was he before? He was with Bologna. Bologna, then, yeah, yeah. Just about how, what a perfect fit he would be and how he's such a subtle player, but he's so effective. Um, yeah, but we'll, obviously I don't want to jump the gun here, but there are a couple of names we've seen floated about who could take his spot. I'm thinking of... Um, Oh gosh, Nandez. Yeah, Nandez. Yep, that could be one. Um, yeah, we'll get that in a second. But I mean, we're just looking at if they need to make money, that would probably be the biggest sale I think they could make this winter. Yeah. Um, and I guess if it wasn't for Antonio Morante's sort of what is it, a hand or an elbow or something's going mm-hmm. on, I, I could see maybe Lopez um, being sent out on loan because I don't think they're going to get rid of that salary and, and really recoup any of that cost during the yeah, winter. Yeah, I can't see them selling Olsen and Lopez in the same window. That'd be a <laughs> <laughs> well, miracle I mean, in itself. Yeah, Fusato might be coming back, so they yeah. could at least on the uh, the roster fill in another keeper. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think uh, I don't know. They've been trying to get rid of Jay Seuss for a long time, but he just doesn't. Yeah, he's just stubborn. <laughs> I, I can't blame him. I mean, you got no. the salary because no. you know if he goes elsewhere, he's making less money at a Genoa or Samp and other teams he's been connected with. I'm sure. In the yeah, past. I'm not sure how that works if they have the honors contract or what, but I would think if he wants to keep playing in Europe, that might be the trade-off saying lower your salary, but we'll give you an additional year or so. Yeah, so I think Fazio, Jesus, Olsen, it seems like might go permanently. There's also Nzanzi, I think it's still out there. Yeah, I heard um, that he's, he's with Ren right Ren's, now, right? Yeah, yeah I, I heard that they wanted him permanently, so goodbye, good riddance to that <laughs> that one. Um, I almost said like my heart skipped a beat here because I wasn't sure if I'd press record, but I did, so that's good. Um, so yeah, so we've talked about, we rolled the window back, looked at the guys coming last year. We talked about some possible sales. So I think that's a good time as any to take a quick commercial break. So we'll see you on the other side. All right, we're back. How was your break, Steve? It was good. Nice, quick one. It's like one of those 30 second, like, uh, commercials, you know? Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and guess. I love to, when I, so when I edit the podcast, I just sort of click where the ads are going to go, but I don't know what they are. So I try to keep a tally of what they are. It seems like there's a lot of like web hosting ones. Mm insurance maybe so we'll see i don't know what it might be but all right now we're on to the good stuff who's going to be coming in so before we get to specific targets i thought we'd just talk about an area of need and i want you to start off with one that you sort of had sprang upon you by uh david amoyal right am i saying that correctly yeah 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 so i was on david's podcast a little over a month ago now probably um and he was you know talking to me about roma he brings on guests first specific teams and he came on after I had him for the Sassuolo preview and he brought up goalkeeper as his biggest position of need for Roma at the time and at the time I didn't see it because Mirante was playing pretty well he had he had a, he had a bit of an off game against Napoli but I thought you know it might be a one-off and you know chalk it up to Napoli being super motivated that game for the Maradona passing but then after the Atalanta debacle 
I kind of took a step back and really looked at it. And the numbers from both Mirante and Lopez aren't really great. You know, Mirante's had a couple good games, but he's 37 now. And I think that's really the issue is the age is starting to show. And um, who was it? It was uh, Ilicic kind of just made him look silly in that match when he was one-on-one coming in on goal. Not that most goalies will stop him, but it was just really, really well, He made glaring. the whole team look silly. He yeah. changed that all by himself. That was yeah. a, a miraculous performance by him. So I did a little research, and yeah, the numbers aren't great. We know Lopez, you've talked about him many times, and you did a deep dive on him uh, last season or after the season, and his numbers aren't great either. Um, so I think area of need is goalkeeper. I don't know if it's going to be a position that they address this market because the most attractive players are starters elsewhere. It's going to be hard to get a team that's either competing to stay in Serie A or a team that's competing maybe for a Europa League spot to sell a keeper mid-season without really jacking up the price. The, the keepers I looked at were uh, Alessio Cranio, Juan Musso, uh, Silvestri from Verona, and then uh, Dragowski I threw in there too just to take a look at another young keeper. I, I excluded Galini because I thought Galini is out of our price range and he's with a Champions League caliber team already. Um, and I, I really like Cranio for the future. I'm hoping they make that move in the summer. I wanted him two years ago when they went for Lopez. Um, you know, Musa would be a great option too, but I think he's bound for Inter or elsewhere. But yeah, I think goalkeeper now is certainly a position of need. I mean, how do you see it? I mean, I, I know you're not a Lopez fan. Uh, yeah, I'm curious because uh, Marante wasn't included on the um, squad list, so that really wasn't a decision. It was just, you know, it was Lopez or that mm-hmm. uh, that Serie D guy they signed for some reason. Yeah. Um, so I think the decision was really taken off Fonseca's hands. So I'm really curious to see what he does uh, with two matches coming this week, mm-hmm. and for that matter, for the the remainder of the season. Um, but yeah, I would agree. Long term goalkeeper is a is an area of need because it's I think if this season's proven anything, it's that Fonseca doesn't really trust Lopez and we can't really trust Morante to stay healthy like you said given his age and I you know I went back when I wrote that piece I looked back at his career you know he is what he is he's I don't even know if he would be average or replacement player but he's sort of maybe just a notch below that so he's only going to do so much for you but having said all that um, Roma are in third place so I mean how bad has he yeah. been really? Um, and um, he was like Spain's number three at the time we bought him, right? Oh no, I was I was talking about Mirante. Oh, Mirante, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Lopez was somewhere on there, but yeah, yeah Spain's tough to crack with De Gea yeah. and uh, all those guys. And um, I think one thing that's telling before we move on to another position was that after Mirante had that awful game against Atalanta, he still got to start the next match against Cagliari, which kind of says something about the confidence in Lopez, I think, too. Yeah, and I, I think there was one moment in um, the match over the weekend, I think it was where the only save Lopez had to make where he parried it when he mm-hmm. could have just caught it. And I was, oh, God, that drives me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess goalkeepers need, but no, neither Steve or myself think it's going to be addressed this window. Maybe. We'll get to that in our next section. Um, so the next position I have listed is probably a bit of a controversial one, but I'm, we put it on here anywhere. I put it on here, I should say. Uh, forward slash striker. So obviously, Edin Dzeko is entrenched as a club captain, third all-time leading scorer, and an unquestioned starter, one of the best strikers of his generation. No question about any of that. Um, well, we've seen Borja Mayoral first start off as part of the B team, as we called them, um, strictly limited to Europa League minutes, but he's caught on um, in some Serie A matches. And there are some things I think that he does, maybe not necessarily better, but there's some things you notice about him more, which I would say is movement in tight spaces, his agility, so just physical at- physical attributes he has, maybe not necessarily skills, although we've certainly seen him. I'm thinking of um, there was one assist. He had a couple of really nice uh, touches in the box to set people up. Um, having said that, um, he's only on loan. Um, hasn't done anything consistently. So do you think, A, is forward an area of need, and B, is that something they would address this winter, this month? So I don't think they're going to go out for an out-and-out striker type in this window. Um, but if we include the more attacking midfield-type forward role, like the role that Mkhitaryan plays, the role that Pedro plays, and Pellegrini's been playing some, I think that role is going to be addressed with a, a guy, if it's a guy like El Sharari who's been mentioned a lot, he could fill as a false nine if we did want to go that direction in some matches. Um, so that would add a little versatility to the striker position too. We saw what happened when Mkhitaryan played the false nine in, in that one match, and mm. Uh, I can't remember who was against, but he kind of changed the trajectory of that match by moving away from the traditional striker and going with Mkhitaryan. So I think an El Shirari type could fill that role as well as the attacking midfield role. So I think if they go with the forward 
type, it's going to be that type of player rather than like a, a player who I like for the future, like a Scamaco or a more out and out striker, like a Milik who's been mentioned. I, I don't see them making a move for that type of striker because Jekko is, like you said, the entrenched starter and Myral will probably get the rest of the minutes there. Yeah, I think in some ways we can link these two positions together as long-term concerns, but maybe not something you're going to address going forward. But I, I think the Jekko Mayoral thing, um, for me at least, so it depends, I guess, how long you've been a fan, but I, I think back to the days where it was just Francesco Totti doing all the heavy lifting. You mm-hmm. had Mirko Vucinic, who was really more of a wide player. And it was year after year, they're always craving, trying to get a real striker. It was, um, I remember when I sort of first found our site before it was Kessa de Totti. It was all about uh, Lucas Podolski. Klaasian Huntelaar, players like that, sort mm. of strikers yeah. in the traditional mold. And it was always just like, Roma always had fantastic players, but they never had that big guy in the middle. And I think that's why when they signed Luca Toni in the winter of 2010, that was such a huge deal. Like literally yeah. and figuratively, he was such a huge figure. And then they got Jekko and it wasn't a concern, but every year it seems like he's connected with moves away. So it always feels like they're trying to find that big sort of permanent solution there. So I think that's why I always think about, oh, they need that guy until they find him. Um, so let's move on to the next area of need. We have um, right back. I think Rome obviously have two. Rick Karsdorp, um can't say enough about how well he's done this year when you consider he's pretty much left for dead. Uh, Bruno Parrish, same thing. He's playing on the left lately, but he's done pretty well on the right. But still, um, if you read all the typical Roma papers, they're still being connected to other right backs. We had Brian Reynolds from Dallas, uh, Jeremy Frimpong from Celtic. Um, is it an area of need for you right back? Um, so... If you asked me two months ago, I probably would have said yes, for sure. I think Karsdorp's uh, performances the past month and a half or so have been so good that it's definitely dropped to third on this list, for sure. The order we've kind of covered them has kind of shown the the areas of need. And I think, you know, before the season started, this was like top of the list, um, you know, because historically the past, you know, five to 10 years, it's been a revolving door right back and they can't, they couldn't seem to find the right guy. Uh, now, the way Karzorp's playing, I mean, he was man of the match quality yesterday. He had the assists. He's had a few assists recently. Um, he's starting to show things. Uh, I guess that, you know, health has a lot to do with it, and he's trying to show uh, the player that they saw in, in him two, three years ago, I guess three years ago now that they brought him over. So uh, I do think a depth move would be good at right back, maybe a developmental player, that, which is why I think we see the, the Reynolds, the Frimpongs, Montiel, those kind of guys linked, guys that wouldn't immediately start but maybe could – um, fill in for Karsdorp if he is in need of a spell, you know, a, a match against like a Spezia or somebody get those players sometime. Um, but it's not as big of a need for me as it was a few months ago. What about you? Excuse me. Um, well, that's a tough one to answer because I just, I think, I, and we look back to the summer, everyone was really amazed by Bruno Parrish and some people were thinking, mm-hmm. okay, we got that position solved. But then the season started and he's sort of had, ups and downs and even Karzorp's had a few um, dips here but obviously he's been pretty great lately but I think with both players there's just for different reasons you can't really trust them until they prove they can do it consistently so it, it, in that vein it's not surprising to see right back popping up as a rumor and I, I think long term you're going to need one because Parrish mm-hmm. contract is up at the end yep. of the year and I know they've talked about doing a new one but nothing's uh, come through yet as far as a new contract but let me throw a wrinkle at you that um, is really only just popping up now so if we look at PSG um, all season long, it was sort of assumed that they would buy Florenzi permanently because his um, option was only $9 million. And He was, I guess you could say, kind of a surprising starter, and he's played really well. But now PSG has changed their coach, so we don't know. Um, maybe that won't be a foregone conclusion. Do you think Florenzi might come back? Is there any room for him? It's interesting because I've always been a fan of his. I, I, I like him as a guy, and you know, I like the work rate and everything he provides for the team. I think in this current system, he fits better than he did with the four-man back line. I think as a wing back in a 3-4-2-1 a that we've been playing, I think he would fit better. I don't know if the bridges are burned in terms of the relationship with the club. I don't know if he wants to come back or not. Um, it's new management, so you don't know. He might feel differently, but Fonseca was here last year when he didn't get much playing time. So it's a tough one. I mean – yeah, I did. I didn't. I'm not, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse. I just no, sort of for sure. It's like, oh, they just changed the coach, so maybe he's not in the plans. And if that's the case, yeah. he's going to be coming back either way. Yeah, it, it could happen because Pochettino might not value him. I think who was Tuchel, the, the previous coach, yep. like he might not value him the same way, so he might see his playing time diminish. So it's, it's certainly something that could happen in the summer. We might see him back in Rome, and then there'll be decisions to be made again. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, any other areas of need that you can think of? 
Um, like we had mentioned, Diawara, if he's sold, I think you, that you look to another midfielder, um, maybe as a, a depth move, um, or depending on how many of those veteran center backs they might move, maybe you see them make a, make a move for another like developmental type center back or a veteran depth guy who wouldn't mind being fourth or fifth choice because really the actually fifth choice because the top four are set and even Cristante's kind of locked down uh, that center role when Smalling doesn't play. So they technically have five center backs without Jesus and uh, Fazio if you rate Cristante as a center back in some matches. So um, yeah, other than maybe some someone for a, a sale, that would be the only other place I see them making a potential move. Yeah, I think you're right. I we saw some um, Armando Itzo Itzo uh, transfer rumors over the summer. Those sort of disappeared. Uh, so again, we started off by talking about Roma's always a budget conscious team, and we're going to get to some specific transfer targets next. But I just want to talk about: Are there any? So let's say Pinto just started today, talks to Fonseca, and says, "Hey, listen, buddy, we got no money. You got to make do with what you have." Let's talk about maybe some overlooked players, maybe some returning players who can help out regardless position. So we talked about Carlos Perez. Do you see any path to playing time for him? I mean, it, it seems like the path has been there all season, but he hasn't really found that path in Fonseca's eyes because the depth has been lacking at attacking midfield since they moved on from Under and Cloyvert, in my opinion, especially with Zaniolo Hurt. Um, so I don't know if Fonseca values him enough to give him substantial minutes at this point. Pastore is always a gamble. Um, with his health, who knows what he's going to come back and give you. If he can give you a, the odd match here or there, we saw his quality a couple times last year. It's just very inconsistent. I can't find a way that they move on from him now, especially with the China, uh, the league in China having a salary cap or whatever they did right. to cut wages. Yeah. So, well, I can it, like MLS or maybe the Mid East, but yeah. Well, I can, nope. I got uh, putting the finishing touches, writing in something about what we can expect from Pastore. Um, so I went back, it's not done yet, but I just essentially looked at, uh, where he's played and what he's done since he arrived at PSG. And by the time he came here, so he played for four different coaches, obviously most notably, uh, Ancelotti for Italian fans, but also Laurent Blanc and Unai Emery. Um, and pretty much every single one of those coaches played a four man backline system. And he was either the Trey Quartista or he was playing to the left in a four, three, three left of Zlatan. Uh, so I'm sort of trying to figure out where he could play essentially he looks like he would be a perfect sort of substitute for Mkhitaryan because he can play mm-hmm. to the left of Jacko. He can play to the right of Jacko. Um, but then I was just doing some digging. I saw a couple of intermittently at PSG and even once or twice during his run with time, he plays as a defensive mid shielding right in front of the defense. And it sort of got me to think, well, he could ostensibly fill in for Mkhitaryan, Pedro, Pellegrini, maybe VR, maybe Veritude. I would just worry that he's not athletic enough or quick enough to cover those grounds. But in terms of spreading play from back there, I don't think he could really find much better. Um, so in the piece, I sort of equated him to Fonseca is going to have to use him essentially like he's like a 36 or 37 year old Francesco Totti mm-hmm. or think of him as like a closer in basketball or a three point specialist in the NBA. You're really going to have to sort of sort of carve out 10 to 15 minutes when you can do you know, what it is that he can do when he can cut, when he can have an impact on the match through his passing, through his vision, through his touch. So I think that is someone, if he's healthy, who can cover for three or four people, but we just don't know. Um, Cause you know, six weeks ago, we were talking about them canceling his contract and we've heard about inter Miami and maybe a couple of clubs in Argentina who are interested in him. Um, so I put up this outline. I noticed you put a pretty big name in brackets there. Why don't you tell mm-hmm. us about Zaniolo? Yeah. So first just we're not, to... we're not even going to get into that about yeah, his Instagram no. I don't care about that that is no. the antithesis of news I can't believe that how much dust that kicked up but um, so yes. what we see he might be back March or April what do you think so first just to touch on what you said about Pastore I, I agree I think if, especially with the five sub rule you have that flexibility to hold him as that wild card for 10-15 minutes in a tight match where he can unlock a defense so that's a that's a good point I didn't even yeah. think of that I'm gonna it's add not, that yeah <laughs> it's not even like you have the three subs where you're like crap do I sub in you know um I don't know, depending on who's starting that match, but maybe Meyer all for Jekko at the end to save his legs, or do I throw in Pastore? You have more options now, so that could help. But yeah, I think Zaniolo is the, the real wild card because we saw it in the summer when he did make his way back. Even if it was for that 15, 20-minute stint, he, he would open matches up. I mean, he scored some lovely goals. I mean, if he can come back at the same level he was in July physically, I think he could have a real impact on the end of the season. Now, with it being the second knee surgery on the opposite knee, we don't know exactly what we're going to get from him from an athletic standpoint. 
But um, I've talked about this with Sean on, on previous episodes where he just offers something no one else on the, the team offers, where he's that physical presence and he'll run at people um, and he's just a big body. And Mkhitaryan, Pedro, Pellegrini, uh, even if it's El Shirari or Bernard, all those guys are, are good players, but they don't offer that same physical aspect. So he could also have an impact in some ways that those guys don't. So I, I'd be curious to see if he could be that um, that closer in a sense, the way you put it, that or that like change in football. You have that third down back who comes in, just pounds out those last two yards. You know, he could be the guy that unlocks a, a physical defense or something. So he could he could have a role, especially if we're battling for top four, I think. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I, you know, I, I um, try to remain optimistic, but I just think about the parallels between this year and last year. It's like I'm going to come back. I want to qualify yeah. for the Euros, and then, yeah, uh, I, I feel like, I mean, at least for my part, I've been he's been out of my mind. I haven't really even given it a thought. But you know, March and April, that would be. I think, you know, either way, regardless who is in the top four, it's going to come down to like the last few days. It's going to be a bitter, yeah. bitter fight. So whatever edge they can get, I think would be beneficial. And certainly Zaniolo can do that. So for the second one, I, I thought um, we've talked a lot about Calafiore so far this year, but I mean, how much has he even played? What the hell is going on with him? Yeah. He, yeah. He, they need him. I was disappointed when he didn't play against Cagliari because that was the game Spinazzola didn't play, right? He didn't play against Cagliari. I thought that, that would be a perfect opportunity to get Calafiori a start, even if it's for 50 or 60 minutes. And then he went with, uh, he being Fonseca, went with Bruno Perez, did the same thing again this weekend against Sampdoria. Um, but it was kind of forced because Calafiori was out. So it's kind of unfortunate he was out when Spinazzola was out because, you know, maybe he could have at least gotten 20 or 30 minutes off the bench. I mean, he's still young. He's still 18, 19 years old. Um, we've seen the potential in the Europa League. It's unfortunate because even in the Europa League, he missed that one match. I think he had um, something going on with his gastro system. That one match he had to pull out last minute in the, yeah, the sixth yeah, match right. of the group stage. So it's tough because he showed the potential against Juve at the tail end of last season. He showed it a little bit in flashes this season when he's played. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to get excited about these young kids, uh, especially the Primavera kids that come through the system because we don't have too many that come through and really make it all the time. At least with Roma, they, they often make it elsewhere, um, depending, you know, at, at maybe like a, a step-down type club, like a Sampdoria, clubs like that. We've seen plenty of Roma players excel from the Primavera. So I think we have to be patient. I would like to see him play more, though, because the, the flashes have been there, even if it's 20, 30-minute cameo off the bench in a match that Roma's up a couple goals or something. Uh, would be nice because the last time he played was what was it before the Atalanta match it was the match before Atalanta I think he played a little bit um let me see I'm pulling it up right now but I forget which yeah, one no, he, did. he played uh 19 minutes against Torino yeah it was that match because he didn't play very well and I went I was on a different podcast as a guest and one of the hosts who's not a Roma fan hasn't watched him much he goes what's wrong with that Calafiore that guy sucks I'm like well that kid's 18 <laughs> years old and he had a he had a bad 20 minutes but yeah you know there's there's growing pains but I'd like to see him play more yeah so I, I think this week might be telling um Crotone on Wednesday and mm-hmm. Crotone are let me scroll down last place I think with a negative 20 place, goal yeah. differential so if he can't get into that match that might be kind of telling for Fonseca's plans for him in the short yeah time. If yeah, he's fit, I, because he didn't get he didn't get called up yesterday. What's I that? Think he had a little issue. He had a little oh, issue not, too. A little, yeah, like the squad list out already. No, yesterday's match. Oh I God. don't know if he's going yeah. to be fit for Wednesday. Today's only Monday. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think that might be telling. If there ever there was a match screaming for an eighteen-year-old, I think last mm-hmm. place Crotone would be there. And I just added for another internal internal option, um, Fusato, because he's going to be coming back. It seems like his time at. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gil Vicente was a complete waste. Um, waste. So I don't know what they do with that. I would maybe if they get loan out Lopez, they bring Fusato in as the backup. Maybe he gets sort of the garbage time. Who knows? Um, I think back that last match against Juve. Obviously, it was a redundant match for Juve, but I liked what I saw, uh, at least athletically and size wise. Mm-hmm. He seems like it could be a force to reckon with back there. So I just hope they don't give up on him. I know it seems strange to even talk about a guy who's only played one match in like three years, but I just hope they don't give up on him. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely a prospect to watch. I mean, he, he's played for the Brazil under 23 for a while. I think he actually got a call up at some point um, to the Brazil, you know? Yeah. I think we actually wrote about that. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, the talent is there. You're not getting called up to the Brazil senior side, whether even if it's in a garbage friendly where they're not calling up all the regulars, um, 
So I'd, I'd like to see, I mean, shame on the club for not finding a better loan if things weren't hashed out better with Gil Vicente ahead of time to know that he was going to get some minutes because, I mean, it's been a complete half-season waste. I'd rather him play in Serie B than, than go sit the bench somewhere in, uh, like, the Portuguese league. Yeah. Um, I mean, if Lopez goes, he, he could be the number two who plays maybe the Europa League and the Copa Italia, but then you have to hope Mirante stays stays healthy because I don't know if you want to throw him into the fire against like a Milan or an Inter or Juve in a meaningful game, but, but you know, trial by fire. Sometimes you, you, you find guys that are, you know, up to task and that's, yeah. And I, I don't want a lot of money at the risk of oversimplifying it. I, I would think if any, if there's any position on the pitch where experience and understanding doesn't matter quite as much, it might be goalkeeper because you just, you know, positioning reflexes, things like that. Obviously, um, a finer tuned understanding of what the opposition is doing helps, but it seems like it's one position where on physical skills alone, you could at least get a shot. Um, okay. So we'll move along to the juicy part, specific targets. Uh, so obviously the first name on the list is one that they almost signed over the summer are um, absent Pharaoh, Stefan El Shirawi, who, as you recall, came to Roma in the winter of 2016 um, and really had a key key part in turning that season around um, when Spalletti switched to the basically false nine look with Parati in the hole. And then it was El Shirawi and Mo Salah. So that's what it took to relegate Jekko to the bench. That was pretty impressive. Um, then he made the really puzzling move to move to China. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but you seldom see a player who's only 26 doing that. I mean, maybe if he was five or six years down the road, that might've happened. Um, yeah, so then that got me on like uh, one of my favorite stat sites now is Football Reference. So I was thinking about that, what age players move to minor leagues, and it just sort of got me in this rabbit hole. I looked up, um, David Beckham was 31, and we went to L.A. Uh, so I was looking back at all his stats. This is going off way on a tangent when he was with United in the late 90s, early 2000s. We're talking like 15, 16, 17 assists a year. I don't think people really appreciate what a great player he was, I think, just because he was so famous for being a good-looking guy. Um, yeah, I don't know why. That's neither here nor there. Uh, but, yeah, it was just really puzzling that El Shirawi went there. But I think he was getting $11 million a year, so can't blame him for that. Um, so I think the danger is that we've been assuming he would come back. And I think what we're seeing now is that Shanghai Shenhua, from what we read, um, does not want to let him go on a dry loan. They just want to get rid of him. And you can't really blame him, seeing as they paid $16 million for him, $11 million salary, and he's played 16 games for them total. Um, certainly some of that is because of the pandemic. But, I mean – Talk about a waste. I, they must be pissed off about that. Um, so what do you think? Uh, bringing El Shirawi back, what would the pros be? What would the cons be? I mean, for one, the pros, we know he can withstand the fires of Rome. We know how much pressure is on players when they come to Rome. He's done it once. He excelled in Roma uh, for a couple seasons. I, I, I've always been a fan of his. He was a, a player that I liked before he came to Roma, so I was very excited when they got him in the first place. Yep, same um, here. Talented player. Um I don't see many cons if they can get him to come on a, on a loan or a rescinded contract. Because I know he's pushing for a contract uh, cancellation at the last I saw to try to get the move away from Shanghai. Oh, yeah? Um, I, 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 I saw some rumors that. about that. Hmm. I don't know if he'll be able to do that because Shanghai, I'm sure, wants to recoup some funds for him. Um, but I don't see many cons if you can get him for the right price. I think he's familiar with the environment. I think he would fit very well um, playing off of Jacko and Mkhitaryan in that those two behind Jacko he's familiar with Jacko he's familiar with a lot of the players in the team so he would fit in fairly seamlessly um I, I don't I mean they wanted him in September if it had happened in September we might be talking about a guy who's getting considerable minutes right now I think yeah I same here I, I was you know one of my favorite players um before he came to Rome and I was really excited when they got him um yeah I think the only con would be it's, it's just not going to be an easy transaction the way they thought but mm -hmm. if they could yeah Wiggles way out of that contract. I mean, that's how they got were able to keep Mkhitaryan this year. Pretty much an identical, not identical, but a similar situation. Um, yeah, you're right. I think he would fit in seamlessly. I wouldn't obviously wouldn't. I wouldn't even all be shocked if he started playing more minutes than Pedro at that mm -hmm. left inside forward position. He's just that electric, and I think he would bring a bit of swagger to the team, which I think um, maybe not necessarily missing, but I just think there's he's a unique a unique player. But part of the reason why that might not happen is the next name on our list is Bernard the Everton striker or not striker, excuse me. Where's my, sorry, I'm a little technical difficult. There we go. Uh, yeah. Bernard, um, who played for Fonseca with Shakhtar Donetsk and who's been with Everton since 2018. Uh, so the rumor is that Everton who are for some reason, 
keen on keeping Robin Olsen. And so it just might work out conveniently that, hey, Everton has this player who is a position of need and who's familiar with Roma's coach. So the rumor is that they might be working on a swap deal. Um, as I've said many times before, I don't follow the premierships. I'm not terribly familiar with them. So I pull up his stats and I'm just like, gee, not a lot there. Uh, his last year in Shakhtar yeah. was 17-18. He had six goals, six assists in 1,300 minutes, or excuse me, 1,400 minutes. It's pretty good. Um, I would presume that's what led Everton to purchase him. But since then, his first year, one, one goal, three assists. Then last year, three goals, two assists. And so far this year, he's only played 274 minutes of premiership action. Um, to me, that seems kind of underwhelming. But what would you say, Steve? Would that be worth the cost of getting rid of Olsen? I mean, if it's at the – like I, we had DM beforehand with, with this rumor. If it's at the cost of not getting El Shirari, I would not be happy with it um, because I, I prefer El Shirari for sure, especially looking like, – like same with you. I'm not very familiar with Bernard. I don't watch Everton too often or the Premier League that often. But the numbers are very underwhelming. And if Roma's looking for a player that's going to be a spark either off the bench or to – uh, fill some of those minutes behind Mkhitaryan and Pedro in those in those roles. Um, he's not a player that excites me. I mean, I know Fonseca must be very familiar with him. I'm sure if the move happens, is because Fonseca wants him and is familiar with him. But I mean, I I don't see it um, for a player that's in his prime. The fact he's only played in six matches this year for Everton with the amount of minutes you said, it's yeah, it's underwhelming. So I have I pulled up um, his uh, match log from last year with Everton. So he played 1400 minutes in the league and it looks like um a little bit of left wing but mostly midfield left midfield right midfield a little bit of attacking mid so it seems like i mean the two aren't mutually exclusive maybe they could get them both somehow but it seems like he has a little more uh positional versatility in terms of um pulling away from the front line whereas el shawawi is pretty much strictly a forward maybe a second strike where this guy looks like maybe uh, a poor man's vicatarin maybe if i could say that yeah so, yeah, you're right. I mean, it would be the opportunity cost. What do they value more, getting Olsen off the books or getting a player who would have more immediate impacts? Um, I mean, again, no disrespect to Shakhtar, but the Ukrainian league coming to Italy is a big step up. And as we've seen, he hasn't really done much in England. So I would be underwhelmed by that, to say the least. Yeah, and I'm sure if uh, Everton really values Olsen that much, they'll spare the 9 or $10 million it might take to get him from Roma if, if Ancelotti really wants him. I mean... Those teams tend to have the money to do that. It's yeah, that must be nice. Fee. Yeah. Uh, so let's, uh, we got a few more targets here. Let's circle back to our goalkeeper talk. We said we both agreed long-term it's an issue. Short-term it might not happen, but there is one name that's been bandied about as a January uh, reinforcement, Salvatore Sarigu. What do you make of him? Would that be – obviously, that, I think that would require Lopez going out on loan, but would you prefer Sarigu to Maranta? Um, I mean, he's certainly a higher – quality keeper in the course of his career than Mirante has been. He's a little bit younger. I think he's about 33 at this 33, point. 33, yep, yep. Yeah. Um, so he hasn't looked very good for Torino this year. When I had Rob Gilman on for the Torino preview, he he said that Sierrigu hasn't been good. Now, is that a matter of motivation at this point, or is he really losing it that quickly? I don't know, because he was PSG starter for a while. He's been the Italian number two for a long time. So maybe a change of scenery, you get a guy who's motivated trying to get at least the second goalkeeper spot for the Euros for Italy, um, barring a Donnarumma injury, of course, because he's the entrenched starter, could could be worth a gamble if you could get him on a loan. I don't, don't want a permanent sale where he's tied to us for two, three seasons because I, I think Roma has to look younger and bigger picture in the summer. But if we could do a loan swap with Lopez or something like that, maybe it's worth kicking the tires on. That's a good idea. I didn't think of that. But yeah, he's. Uh, I just pull up his numbers here. He's been uh, pretty awful this year. If mm-hmm. we look at just that that seemingly magic stat, the PSXG plus or minus, basically how many more or less shot, more or fewer shots a keeper saving than what he should. Um, this year he's in the negative. But um, just two years ago he had a plus seven nine, which I I remember looking up at least in our comment section was one of the best numbers in the league. So yeah, right. Maybe it's maybe it's just a mental thing. Maybe he's just tired of Torino. Maybe he realizes it's you know not going to take him anywhere. Um, but we're talking about a guy who really signed for PSG to be the backup and then just I think it was only like a three or four million dollar fee because he was kind of um, a big deal at that point stole the job yeah. and then like I said I think I started that piece off if I told you this 10 years ago that Roma were going to sign Sarigo you'd be out of your skin it'd be so exciting but yeah um, I think at the end of the day nothing's going to happen with the keepers I think they're just going to continue this balance between Lopez and uh, Marante for the time being yeah um, if I had to put my money on I'd, I'd say the same they're probably going to be stuck with those two and then 
we yeah. got to hopefully it doesn't cost us. So we talked about goalkeeper, right back, forward, kind of being the same sort of bag where they're good enough for now, maybe not as good as we'd like them to be, but they're not really under any duress to do anything now. Um, we could also throw a midfield into that, but there has been one name linked to them recently. It's Matias Zakanyi, right? Yeah, Zakanyi, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the rumor today was he's valid for about $12 million, uh, midfielder from Verona, right? Yep. yep. One of the yellow teams, I almost said Chievo. Yeah, so they're valuing about $12 million. We got uh, Milan chasing after him, Napoli. Um, seems like you might be a bit more familiar with Zaccagni than I am, so why don't you tell us a bit about what could he bring to Roma? Yeah, I mean, don't he, already have, maybe. He's turned into a nice player for Verona the past few seasons under Juric. Um, last year, I'm looking at his stats right now, in 34 matches, he had two goals, nine assists, according to transfer market. This year, four goals, four assists. He scored a lovely goal. Yes, I don't know if you saw the bicycle yeah, kick yeah, he I scored. That, yep. um, and I'm looking at... Because at first I was wondering if he was a little bit too, too much of an attacking mid, kind of redundant with El Shirari and those players we've mentioned. But he's played 80 games as a central mid, 48 in defensive mid, and 42 in attacking mid. And his numbers, goal scoring numbers are spread between all those positions pretty evenly. Um, so he could offer that positional versatility in the midfield that maybe someone like a um, Diawara doesn't offer um, or like a VR, those are the deeper mid. So he could play across the midfield, it looks like. And for $12 million, he's a guy I would take a gamble on if we were to sell Diwara. Um, he looks like a good player. He's, re- he's really starting to blossom. He's 25 coming into his prime. Uh, for $12 million, he could turn into a steal long term. Um, but there is stiff competition, it looks like. Yeah, I'd also say apropos of nothing, he looks a lot like Davide Faroni. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I reported that rumor the other day. I got uh I didn't notice it on Twitter, but then Steve told me he's like, You got the wrong guy up and I was like, yeah. well, I don't know what every single player looks like. I typed his name <laughs> into the database and the Getty images had a picture of Farone um listed as a Kanye, so they are somewhat similar looking. But yeah, I think you're right. I, I think as fans we sort of get locked into this viewpoint that you only have one player or one starter per position. Mm-hmm. But I mean if you look at the you know, the big oil clubs, obviously they run two or three deep. Um but we're seeing uh, I think Jonas brought this up in a roundtable, um, particularly with COVID. You know, you could lose a player for, yeah. you know, God knows how long. So you want that depth, particularly a player as talented as him. If it is only $12 million, I mean, that's nothing in today's market, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, and then you look at the players you'd be competing with would be, um, you know, a lot of Roma's most skilled attacking players are over 30. So I think we need, that's something that's going to need to be addressed because we don't know what's going to happen with Riccardi, uh, players like that. Um, all right, so moving along. Excuse me. So we talked about fullback. So the one we reported on a couple weeks ago was a bit of a shocker. Uh, Brian Reynolds, who is a teenager from Fort Worth playing for FC Dallas. So it's not every day we see Roma connected to an MLS player. Um, certainly not one that's, I mean, I you know I don't follow MLS, but I at least know the bigger players, but I'd never heard of him before. But all of a sudden uh, it seemed like it was um, a fait accompli, like it was about to happen, but then Juve, Entered the mix, uh, largely because of their American Bryant. Uh, was it Weston McKinney? Weston McKinney. Weston yeah. McKinney, yeah. So apparently they're, they're buddies. They've known each other. They both came up from Texas. So that was sort of a natural linking between the two of them. And it seemed like Juve had jumped the queue. Uh, but then you have Bruges is still there in Belgium. And then today I woke up and saw that the Juve uh, negotiations with him have stalled a bit. Um, so perhaps Roma's still open there. So that would be um, another right back to throw to the mix. Uh, what do you think if they if they were to land Reynolds? Is that an immediate thing, or would they send him right on loan? So we know if he's going to Juve, he's going to Calgary. And yeah. I just read a uh, interview the other day with um, Greg Berhalter, who's the U.S. men's national team coach, who said, you know, maybe him going to Juventus, as nice as it would be to play with a buddy of his, may not be his top priority. Do you see a player like that um, contributing right away, or would this be a long term play? I mean, it would be a long term play given his age, but could he contribute immediately? Yeah, so like you, I mean, I don't follow MLS super close. I do watch it sometimes. I, I watch the Red Bulls sometimes when they're on over here in New York, and I'd never heard of him before. It could be because the, the, the way with COVID, they restructured the league to keep everything East Coast, you know, West Coast stuff. But yeah, good I, was like, I was like, who is this guy? I mean, I know he's a big body right back. He looks like a talented yeah. kid. 6'3". Six, six, yeah, um, so a talented kid. I, I see why Rome was looking at him when I saw just a couple clips of him. There's certainly some potential there. Um, yeah, I, I thought the the Juve links were interesting because for a player that's not even in like a lower Serie A team for Juve to snatch him up to develop him, I thought was a kind of crazy. But I'm sure the McKinney links had a lot to do with that. Well, they also um, had Wani Turbe once upon a time too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think for for his perspective, if he's going to play right away, I think Bruges would be the best option. I think to play right away. 
Um, I think if Roma were to buy him, I think a lot would depend on if Bruno Pettis stays in the winter market or goes. I know Benfica has been linked with him since his contract is almost up. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I saw that recently where he was being linked to Benfica. Um, Then maybe he stays and he develops behind Karsdor. But that's a big risk unless – I mean, I guess Santone could fill the the role in in a big game and, you know, Karsdorp's out injured or something just to provide the defensive uh, solidity because you're not going to play Brian Reynolds at 19 straight out of MLS in a match against (laughs) Juve or Inter. No, but that's that's sort of what I was asking before. Like, how much – do they want to risk upsetting the apple right. cart here? Yeah, I mean, if I was looking at a, if Bruno Perez goes and I'm looking at a right back to fill the team right now, I would look almost like at a guy you mentioned before, not in the same context, but like a Fadioni, a guy who has Serie A experience, is like in his late 20s, who if Karsdorp goes down can play. I, I don't, it'd be interesting to see if they just kept Reynolds at the club just to get him acclimated or loaned him out because, like you said, Juve would just send him right on to Cali like they did with Pellegrini. It would be interesting, but I don't see him getting many minutes for Roma right away. He would definitely need some acclimation time. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm curious. I mean, that has to enter into his uh, decision-making process, knowing yeah. that he's not even going to play for the team that's signing him. He's going to go to some random island in the middle of the mm-hmm. Mediterranean. <laughs> I'm yeah. Sure lo- I'm sure it's lovely, but, I mean, from a kid from Texas, that's a big transition. Um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, because even if you're boys with McKinney, you're not even going to be with McKinney to acclimate yourself to the country or to the league. You're going to be yeah, like said, I mean, out, oh, out okay, in yeah, Sardinia. So, yeah, and you look at, I mean, uh, Bernardeschi, players like that, young players who have mm-hmm. um, better track record than Reynolds moving to Juve and it just doesn't work out all the time. There's only, you know, only so many minutes to go around at a big club like that. So that's going to be curious to see how that, how that works out. Um, the other right back, they've talked about Jeremy Frimpong from Celtic. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever watched a Scottish Premier League match. Can't say I have, but I haven't seen them in the Europa Champions League recently. To right, but I, I uh, you know, that's we Jonas put up a piece today, the other teams we love series, and I mentioned before, like that's the great thing about European football. You can follow teams in different countries. Mm-hmm. So, I and mean, I was raised Catholic, so I, I Celtic is my Scottish team. <laughs> if I was going to watch the old firm, I'd, I'd cheer for Celtic. That's about the extent I know of that league. Yeah, and the other name was Gonzalo Montiel of uh, River Plate I've seen recently, too. He's a little more experienced. I think he's 24. As a a Boca fan, I wouldn't like that. I don't want any River Plate. (laughs) But uh, he's a guy who gets minutes for Argentina, so it it might might be something there if they could uh, get him. I don't know. I'm sure he has some some potential. Uh, And the last name I have on the list is Arcadius Milik, who, again, kind of like El Shirai, was almost a Roma play over the summer, but there was that whole nonsense with Napoli and um, some fees he owed them for – personal licensing i think he did some commercials for a restaurant that he owned or was a part owner in and then adl wanted a slice of the pie um the water's a little bit muddier now since they got mayor all and millet coming in sort of necessitated jecko leaving um i haven't really checked today but i'm sure if i dug hard enough i could find jecko sale rumors for this month yeah. <laughs> it's just sort of always the way it is but millet um hasn't played at all this year he's been training on his own kind of like el Sharawi. um i just did a quick look so he's been connected to marseille Inter, and I think there was a couple uh, rumors of Atletico a few weeks ago um, just because, uh, oh, gosh, who's that striker that they're going to cut bait with? Um, oh, my gosh. Drawing a blank. Um, not, not Suarez. They no, not Suarez. Suarez. Uh, whatever. Um, he's got thick black hair, big eyebrows. Costa? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Looks a lot like a friend of mine from college, actually. That's how I remember. Yeah, Diego Costa. That's everyone cut ties with him. So at least on the surface, that would give them a need for another striker. Uh, I know we talked about this a bit before, but Milik does, to me, makes a lot of sense. He's the right age. He's got the right production. He's put the injury what was behind him. Um, does that ship sailed? What do you think? Yeah, those are my exact words in my head of, to answer this question. <laughs> I, I think the ship has sailed, at least for this season, um, with Jekko confirming that he's staying, and I, I don't see any Jekko leaving in the winter. I don't, I don't think they're going to bring in Milik uh, right now. I think in the summer, if he's available on a free, maybe they kick the tires a little bit on that. Um, but I, I don't want to give ADL any of our money after the, the, the games he played with us in the summer and the games he played with Milik. I, I don't want to spend the money on him. I don't think it's the biggest position of need to spend the funds right now because you know he's still going to be looking, I'm sure, for 10, 15, 20 million for Millick. Right. Uh, even, even though he's got an expiring contract and hasn't played a minute all season, I'd, I'd rather spend those 10 or 15 elsewhere to reinforce the team. If you're going to pay 15, pay the 15 for El Shavari and, and get a position of need, in my opinion. Excellent point. Um, so you mentioned the word free. 
And the other day, we put up a piece about um, the impending 2021 free agent class or players who could potentially be free agents. Um, not a big deal in European soccer like it is in the NFL or MLB where players, that's like their goal as soon as they sign the yeah. contract. Um, so this, these would be moves, obviously, if you're going to get them now, you would have to pay a transfer fee. I read the other day that Napoli still want like 15 for Milik, which seems absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, so this might be a, a concern for the summer, but obviously we have Messi. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Uh, they have Mkhitaryan, who they need to sign on their own. That's going to be interesting to see. I mean, he's 31. Um, obviously, he's been arguably their best player this year, but we haven't really heard much in, by the way of a long-term contract. Um, and we had Donnarumma just because he's been um, – I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, he's going to get a lot of money from someone, uh, yeah. whether it's Milan or elsewhere. That's just – if you're a Milan fan and watching this, that's got to be – it's like Allison if they stretch that out for like four years. <laughs> that yeah. could be catastrophic for them. Um, so that won't happen. That'd be nice. Uh, Memphis Depay. I think it's Depay. Depay, Depay. Mm-hmm. To me, uh, if there's a uh, perfect signing for Roma, that would be it because the, the kid can score and he plays everywhere. God, I would love that one. Um, then we had Chalahangalu. I think I'm saying that one right. Yeah, Hakan Chalanaglu. Yep. Naglu. I, I always have trouble with that one. <laughs> Boy, yeah, Milan are really – they got yeah. a tough summer coming. You know, and I hear those no negotiations haven't gone so well because he's looking for a lot of money that they don't want to spend on the salary. I think. Yeah, uh, still just twenty six. Um, then we obviously we talked about Milik is going to be free agents. Um, then we had a list of players that what the hell? Why not give him a call? Julian Draxler, who would have been a dream signing seven or eight years ago, but hasn't really become the superstar people thought he would be. Um, we had I'm not even gonna try this guy's name, Haisaj, the right back from Napoli. Oh, there's the one we didn't mention. He's been yeah, connected to Roma a bunch. He's been connected to Roma so so many times. What do you I, make of him? I I don't I don't think he's worth uh I mean, nothing when, special. Yeah, I don't think he's worth the move. I'd rather stick with Karsdorp and get a young developmental player at this point in the summer. Yeah, he'd be a good like holding piece though. He's, mm-hmm. he's you know, he's a rock. He plays a lot. Um could another be the one. depth depth type player though. Yep. Another one, my French isn't the best, but Florian Favin. Uh, mm-hmm. Also connected Milan. Um, yeah, uh, so he came to Marseille in 2015. He scored 61 goals and 34 assists since then. And I know we've been connected to him in the past too. Um, so that could be one to keep an eye on. And then one of my dream signings would be, I know people think he's a thug, but if I woke up and saw Romo sign Sergio Ramos, I might run down my street naked. I would be so excited <laughs> about that. He's probably one of my least favorite players of Why? this generation. Why? I just think he is a dirty, scummy type player. Not even like I know you mentioned the green in the article. Like I'm sure some people view De Rossi in the same kind of light because he. Oh, they ap- I, they absolutely do. He slapped yeah. a dude right in the face yeah. in the middle so, of the match for yeah. no reason. He's had some red cards in his career, but there's just something about Ramos I don't like. I don't and know. And the Brian McBride thing. Yeah. So I mean, De Rossi is our Sergio Ramos. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's too because Italy lost to Spain a few times through the years uh, with that national team. I don't know. There's something about him I don't like. He's not, I'm not a fan of his or Real Madrid. So. Could be the Madrid connection too. Yeah, I think he is just that classic player. One hero, one fan base is heroes, another one's um, yep. villain. I guess you could say. You always need uh, a player like that, though. What's that? You always need a player who has that reputation to just kind of like shake things up. Sometimes. Yeah, uh, but then I, I saw this morning that City are tracking him, so um, might not be an issue. That we had Angel Di Maria, um, pretty good, thirty-two years old, still still pretty effective. Um, Sergio Aguero, same thing, thirty-two, still pretty effective. Um, yeah, so I think we're, we're well past the hour mark here. Um, any closing thoughts on Romer's transfer? What do you think? Is anything, is anything going to happen? I I do think they'll make at least one move for that attacking midfield position. I think something has to give there because with Pedro, you know, little injury here, little injury there, uh, you don't want to overload those minutes. And then really Pellegrini's become the only other option there. And he's played well there. I like Pellegrini in both roles that he's played this year. He's, he's done well, but um, I think they do need another more natural attacking player like an El Shirari. So I'm hoping that move pans out because I was excited in September when it seemed like it would happen. And then I was very disappointed last minute when it didn't happen. Um, and then anything else on top of that, I think would be, you know, like a cherry on top of the ice cream sundae, because I, I don't see, unless they sell Bruno Perez or something, I don't see right back as being in an immediate need. They have at least enough depth to get them through the season and goalkeeper as nice as it would be to get someone in there, unless it's like you had mentioned a loan for Sierigu or maybe Fusato comes back to add depth. I don't see much happening there just because it's hard to get a goalie away from a team when he's starting mid season. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I, I think it's just going to be, I hope it's just El Shirawi and then yeah. maybe if they can 
and maybe cut some dead weight. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that'll be, that's our transfer recap. Um, Obviously uh, we'll cover the rumors as close as we can. And obviously if there's some signings, we'll take a look at how they'll fit in. Um, But in terms of this week, we have Crotone on Wednesday and then Inter on the weekend, right? Bright and early 6.30 a.m. start. Yeah, speaking of which, so uh, also on Wednesday, the women play Juventus in the reformatted Supercopa. Um, So because last year the women's league got shut down, well, everything got shut down, but they didn't restart. So they, as a result, they couldn't finish the Copa Italia. So they reformatted as basically a Final Four. So it's Roma versus Juve on Wednesday, also at 6.30 in the morning. And I think the other one is Fiorentina versus Milan. Um, obviously, their their season has not gone the way uh, certainly Sean and I thought it would be where they were a title contender. But this is a chance for them to win a trophy. Um, admittedly, they're playing the toughest team in the league. Uh, so we'll keep an eye out for that. I don't know if I'll be up in time to watch it, but we'll certainly cover it. Um, okay, so for myself and for Steven, uh, thank you for listening. We hope you guys have a happy new year, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.